Lord Jesus, you are holy. You are the Holy One that we have been singing about. In you, dear Saviour, is light and no darkness at all. In us, Lord, is darkness because we are fallen creatures. But we worship you, the light of the world, tonight. And we're just so glad to leave the darkness of this world behind for a short while. And all the negative news that bombards us every day. And we're just so glad, Lord Jesus, beloved Saviour, to sit at your feet. And just to receive that fresh cleansing in your atoning blood. Lord, how we rejoice in that sacred fountain. What sacred fountain yonder springs up from the throne of God. And all new covenant blessings brings. Tis Jesus' precious blood. Father, we approach you tonight and we draw nigh to you, dear Lord. And we plead the blood upon this little room tonight. And we pray for help from heaven tonight, dear Lord, because we are weak. And even as we have been singing, oh, make me understand it. Help me to take it in. Lord, we, we all would cry, Help me. Help us tonight, dear Lord, in the study of your word and in, the, in our time of prayer. Lord, will you help us tonight? We are not just here, dear Father, to while away an hour or two. Lord, life uh, is short and time is precious. And we want to, to do business with you, Lord, tonight. Spiritual heavenly business. We want to meet with you, Lord, tonight. Meet with us, dear Lord, we, we plead. Now, we don't tell you what to do, Lord. We're not in the name it and claim it business. We, we know our place, dear Lord. You're the high and lofty one, and we're just grasshoppers and worms upon this earth. So we just, we just plead with you. We beg of you, Lord, that you would come into our meeting tonight. And draw near to us, we pray. Bless your children. Have a blessing, Lord, for them tonight. Lord Jesus, lift up your nail-pierced hands upon your people tonight. You're the great high priest. And bless your people. Let your blessing flow. Let virtue flow from your exalted position in heaven tonight. Down upon your people. Minister to their needs, whether they be physical or mental or spiritual. We know the spiritual is the most important, Lord. But do minister to every need of your people tonight, we, we humbly plead. And bless us. And Lord, we commend our time to you. We're just praying that you'll cleanse us and afresh and fill us afresh with your spirit. And lead us to Calvary tonight, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, the 1st of September, is the anniversary of the Tully Vallon Massacre. 1st of September, 1975, five orange men were slaughtered in the Orange Hall.
as they began their lodge meeting that night. They were actually opening in prayer when the gunmen burst in. Five orange men died that night. And so today the Orange Order have designated the 1st of September as Orange Victims Day. When they remember the 339 orange men who were murdered by terrorists during the Troubles and the one orange woman murdered by terrorists during the Troubles. You may have noticed the men at the garden on the way in. Uh, They were there for a remembrance service. And of course, the flag, the the orange order flag, is at half-mast today in memory of those who died. You know, folks, on Sunday morning, the flag will be at half-mast because we will be remembering our Lord and Saviour, who died for us. We'll be having our memorial service on Sunday morning in the church. So metaphorically, it's, it's true to say that the flag of the gospel, if I can call it that, that the banner of the cross will be flying at half-mast this coming Sunday as we remember our Lord in his own appointed way. And so, just thinking about the the Tully Vallon anniversary today and thinking about communion on Sunday, I thought it would be good for us tonight to just to leave 1 Peter and to focus tonight on the Lord's Supper and beginning to prepare for it. So I want us tonight to look at the first communion service after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The first Lord's Supper after the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. Anybody, any idea where, where it took place? or Anybody think where you might find it in the Bible? Well, you're not far off, Margaret. We're turning to Luke chapter 24. Tonight, Luke chapter 24, to read about this first communion service after the resurrection of Christ. Remember, it was a physical, bodily resurrection. And um, Luke 24, and let's start to read at verse 27. And we'll come to the communion service. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. So there you have it. The first Lord's Supper after Christ's 
resurrection. And it's not, it's not taking place in a, in a grand cathedral. No, this is taking place in a humble home. In a little village called Emmaus. The first communion after he rose from the dead. Let's read on. Verse 31. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said to and they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. So there you have it, breaking of bread. He was known to them in breaking of bread. These two believers had a wonderful encounter with the Lord Jesus at the communion service. Folks, don't ever miss the communion service lest you miss meeting with the Lord, lest you, you miss out on an encounter with him. And I know, I know every one of you will do your level best to be there on Sunday. I know that. More is the pity there are not more people like you in these days. You see, I just thinking about it earlier today, folks, there are two acid tests when it comes to proving whether you're a true believer or not. The prayer meeting and the Lord's Supper. The acid tests in the church. Your attendance at those two meetings will say an awful lot about your spiritual condition first thing I want to say tonight is that we have two discouraged Christians on the road to Emmaus and the first thing that, that um, encourages, encourages them is a good Bible study I want you to get that tonight folks a good Bible study. In fact, it was the greatest Bible study that had ever been conducted on the face of the earth. Because these two believers, uh, they're despondent and they're, they're, they're bemoaning the fact that, that their Lord, their hope, the Messiah, is still in the grave. He was crucified on Friday and as far as they're concerned, he's still in the grave and their hopes are in the grave with him. And the Lord Jesus comes along and he knows that the, the antidote to sorrow for a believer is the study of God's word. And so he takes them on this awesome Bible survey through Holy Scripture. I was about to say he took them through the 66 books of the Bible, but he didn't. It had only been 39, of course, the Old Testament. But boy, what a Bible study that must have been. You know, I'm, I'm so jealous of those two believers in the road to Emmaus. Oh, if only we, you know, if only I could have been there with them. And just sat, or, well not sat, walked along the road. And just 
if you could have just drunk in every word that the Saviour spoke. As the word of God coming from the lips of Jesus that was the remedy for their sorrow. It wasn't entertainment. It wasn't a, a miracle, something sensational for them to look at. No, no. It was the study of Holy Scripture. That's why we study God's Word Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. We study it methodically. We go through God's Word because we know that it's, it's only God's Word that encourages us whenever we're under attack from the enemy. Whenever we're down, right down at rock bottom, we need God's word to pick us up. So Jesus knew that. And any preacher worth his salt will follow the example of the Savior. Expound in all the scriptures, beginning at Moses, in other words, beginning at Genesis, the things in all the scriptures concerning Christ. Remember what was said on Sunday night? More about Jesus. The hymn we sung, that should be our prayer every time we go to God's house. Father, I want to learn more about Jesus. And if we go to a service, whether it's here or anywhere else, and we don't learn more about Jesus, then something wrong. Because he must be in the midst of the message. And then you notice whenever, they, whenever their walk comes to an end and they arrive at Emmaus, at the village, Jesus, he, 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 uh, he doesn't want to intrude. He's not going to barge into their home. No, he's waiting to be invited. <coughs> and he, he, he kind of, you know, almost is, is saying goodbye to them and going on. He doesn't want to impose upon them but the disciples, they don't want to let him go. They don't want Jesus to go on somewhere else. No, they want him to stop with them, to stay with them. And they begin to beg him. Notice the word there in verse 29. That strange word that is unique to the authorized version, constrained. But they constrained him. They constrain Jesus. It, it really literally means to beg. It's, it's the idea of almost compelling. It's almost like they forced him to come into the house with them. Such was their desire that he would stay with them. This is just like Jacob in the Old Testament. You remember Jacob at Peniel? Remember what... The Lord Jesus said then, and it, it was Jesus. I know it, the scripture says it was the, an angel, but it was the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32, and that's Christ. And you remember what Christ said to Jacob? He said, let me go for the day breaketh. But I love Jacob's answer. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. You know, that's really what the 
two believers on the road to Emmaus. And these, these two believers who lived in, in Emmaus, that's really what they were saying to Jesus. We're not going to let you go, Lord, till you bless us. Till you come into our little humble home and bless us with your presence. They, they begged him. You know, it's the idea of, of falling down at the feet of the Lord Jesus and holding on to him. You know, like Mary, Mary Magdalene after the resurrection and, and the women who met him, they held him. They're down at his feet. They didn't want to let him go. See, this is what loving Christ is all about. And that's really what the master wants from us. Uh, more than anything else, you know, some people think, oh, the Lord, you know, Jesus just wants us to tick this box and tick that box and do this and don't do that and he's happy. No, no, what he's after, folks, is our love, our affection. <coughs> and what did Paul say in First Corinthians 13? Now abideth these three, faith, hope, and charity. What's the greatest? love, charity, greatest of these. They loved, they loved the Lord Jesus because he had first loved them. He had shed his blood for them. And so they go into the house and Jesus, Jesus uh, is welcomed in and, and he always comes where he's welcome and he always comes where he's invited and you know, brothers and sisters, can I urge you to invite him into our communion service on Sunday? Will you pray with these two in a mess in Luke 24? Will you, will you pray between now and Sunday, abide with us? Because that's what they say, abide with us. Will you pray, Lord Jesus, abide with us around your table on the Lord's day? Come in and tarry with us on Sunday, Lord. Please don't let it just be another communion service, Lord. Just going through the motions. Lord, we don't want that. That's the last thing we want. We're sick and tired of going through the motions. We don't want it just to be another Lord's Supper and, you know, sit at the table for 15 minutes or whatever it is, however long it lasts, and go home and that's it. And... No, Lord, come in and tarry with us and then it'll be a different communion service. It'll be unique. So Jesus goes into the home. And they have their little communion service. There's not too many at it, by the way. Three. Three communicants. So don't be discouraged if you're at communion and there's not many at it. Because here in Luke 24, you've got the first communion service after the resurrection of our Lord. And there's only three people at it. And one of them is the Lord. I says you, if you had a, 
A pound for every time I've said the following words, you'd be rich. You can count numbers, but numbers don't count. You've heard me say that many a time since over the past 14 years. You can count numbers, but numbers don't count. I tell you, an awful lot of clergymen are all into their numbers and statistics. Boy, they have to get big numbers. Whether it's big numbers at the meeting or big numbers responding or whatever it is. Oh, they're into big numbers. Funny how the Lord Jesus wasn't into big numbers. But even though there was only three people at this communion table, they had a blessed time because the Lord was there and where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And you see, the one who melted there, the, the one who melted the miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, now is the one who is melting their hearts in their own home. He first melts the miles on the road as they study the Bible together. And now it's not just the miles that are being melted, but it's their hearts. Is that not the need of the church today? For the Lord Jesus to come and melt our hearts once again? I tell you, it's it's my need, isn't it? Don't know about you. Sure, we've just sung it. Then melt my heart, O Saviour. Bend me, ye break me down. Until I own thee conqueror and Lord and sovereign crown. Job said, the Almighty maketh my heart soft. As believers in these days, we need soft hearts. A lot of hard hearts. Just thinking about that verse in the book of Hebrews there lately. Maybe we'll study it sometime. Today, if you will hear his, his voice, harden not your heart. Do you know how many times that verse is repeated in the Bible? Four times. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart. I was amazed. But you, you look it up, you study it four times. Once in the book of Psalms, three times in the book of Hebrews. The warning against a hard heart. But these two, in their little home in mess, they don't have hard hearts. No, no, no. It's the opposite with them. Their hearts have been melted by the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the only one who can melt our hard hearts. And their hearts are melted at the communion table. Don't we long that would happen on Sunday? As we remember our dying Lord, as we remember what he did for us. And mind you folks, in order for that to happen, you know, you, you do have to prepare for it. There's no way we're going to waltz in on Sunday morning and just and have the communion and, 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 and we're going to meet with the Lord. It's not going to happen. There's the, there has to be the preparation beforehand. And I know that life's busy and it's not easy, so that's why I'm having this study tonight. To help you good folks and to help myself to be ready for Sunday morning. We want to make the most of the Lord's table, don't we? We want to make the most of the Lord's supper. 
we don't want to miss any blessing that he might have for us. And then when when they're sitting at the table here, you notice that there's a break with etiquette. A break with etiquette. Because guess what? The Lord Jesus becomes the host. I mean, it was the done thing for the, the people who lived in the house to host the guest. And for them to serve the food to the guest or guests. But it's actually the Lord Jesus who is the guest in the home that evening. It's actually him who becomes the host. And you see, folks, it's, it's quite natural, isn't it? That's really the way it should be. Because, because he's the one who hosted the Bible study while they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So it's quite natural that he would also be the host of the Lord's Supper in the home. You read there in verse 30, And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. I want you to notice the verbs that are used there. And we're nearly, we're nearly done. We're nearly finished. But, but really concentrate now. Look at the verbs that are used in verse 30. Took bread. Blessed it. And break and gave to them. Took, break, gave. You know what's interesting? These are exactly the same verbs that are used to describe what happened the night before our Lord was crucified in the upper room. You remember the first communion service ever with his disciples. What did he do that night? He took and he break and he gave. So this is a throwback to the upper room. Just exactly the same. And Jesus, he reveals himself to the disciples as he breaks bread with them. Wonder what it was that revealed him. Wonder, wonder how, how, how was it that they were able to identify him? Well, was it the fact that he was breaking the bread because they perhaps had seen him break the, the five loaves and the two fish and feed the five thousand? And then, not very long afterward, the seven loaves and the two fish and feed 4,000? Or maybe was it the fact that when he was distributing the bread at this first communion service after the resurrection, ah, they saw his hands. The nail prints in his hands. I shall know him, I shall know him. As redeemed by his side, I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him. By the prints of the nails in his hands. Oh, I pray that these few thoughts tonight, folks, will whet our appetites for Sunday morning. Those are lovely words, you know, that we were singing earlier. Oh, make me understand it. Oh. You know, that's a good Bible word. Oh. It's only a couple of letters. Or in some cases, only one letter. 
but they say that it comes from the bottom of your stomach, from the pit of your stomach. Oh, oh, make me understand it. The church today needs to get the O back, doesn't it? The O in its hymns, the O in its prayers.